Okay? All right, so uh, we are uh, on our next uh, to last um, uh, mark, uh, practicing Christianity. And so uh, as we uh, have walked through these, kind of the idea here is for us to revisit uh, what it means to practice our faith. So our faith is not just something uh, that we have, it is something that we're supposed to um, exercise in different ways. And so as we've had a, you know, m- many of us have had a long layoff in moving into um, uh, the semester, it's been very helpful, uh, uh, hopefully for everybody, just to revisit some of these things, that some of these things are not like, oh yeah, I like that one, I should be doing that one, that, that, that Jesus' expectation is that we get better at all of these things, and that if we are doing all of these things, um, that we are doing what he has asked us to do. And so this week we are uh, dealing with building relationships. Uh, and I want you um, to, uh, to give you a little survey real quick. And so this is going to be you thinking through the idea of your own friendships. Now, building relationships is going to be a little bit different than friendships that you have, but I want to start there because that's maybe how uh, many of you think about uh, the relationships that you have, Okay. So here is um, a couple questions that I want you to ask. If you have something to write down with, I'd love for you to just kind of jot these, uh, jot these down. So think of three or four closest friends that you have right now, okay? So for some of you, you've had the three or four closest friends since you grew up. For many of you, that's a semester by semester <laughs> um, change. So as we're thinking about um, whomever your closest friends are right now, I want you to write their names down and how long you've known them, okay? So it could be 15 years, uh, could be five years, could be three months, it could be a smattering of ones. I've known this person for 10 years, I've known this person for two weeks, I've known this person for uh, 18 months. So as you write down those two or three people, then write down uh, what, uh, how, how, you, um, how you met them. What were the circumstances under which you uh, came to know them? All right, so after you've written down how you came to uh, meet them, how did you then move from kind of meeting them to becoming friends? Okay? And then the last question is, reasons you have stayed friends. Think about all the friends that you've had in your life that you don't have anymore. (laughs) You know, what happened? So there's reasons that we continue friends. There's reason that we need new friends, right? So, so I want to give you just a minute to kind of write down some thoughts or kind of uh, put that into your head. All right, so lastly, as we kind of look at what you wrote down, what are, uh, what are the patterns that you see? So let's say you got... Uh, Ricky, Bobby, Jenna. Those are three different people. I don't know why that pops in my head. <laughs> and so I've known Ricky for two weeks. You know, we, uh, I met uh, them through a league that I played in or through work. Um, we became friends because I thought he was funny. And we stayed friends because he thought I was funny. So, but if you do that for each of the people, you may find a pattern. You may find that there is no pattern. I don't have kind of a, 
uh, formula that I tend to follow. You may say, like, all of my friends, again, I've known for 10 years, and I met them through school, and we kept being friends because I'm a loyal friend, right? So are there any patterns? If you had to make a profile of how you currently make friends, what would it be? And I want you to just kind of uh, have that uh, so that you understand like, what, what this looks like for you to build relationships. Uh, I've talked to some people, they haven't made a new friend in 10 years. <laughs> they just hang out with the friends that they made in middle school because they were all on the soccer team, right? You know people like this. And so they don't, they don't know how to, <laughs> they don't know how to uh, build relationships. There's not a priority for them because they're hanging on desperately to the relationships that they have had for 10 years. And so there's nothing wrong with that. I just want you to kind of know where you stand. So what is your profile as it relates to that? Because we need to know where we are to understand um, and also to understand what God's expectation is and then say, okay, do I need to change my expectations or my priorities as it relates to building relationships? And I know for myself that has been a challenge as I was thinking through that this week of how well I do this and how, and, and how consistently I am or how consistent I am with building relationships. I feel like sometimes I'm great at it and other times I'm miserable. And so how do I know how to do it but then yet not do it as often as I should? And so I, I would anticipate that a lot of you um, are the same way. So let's talk about um, differentiating between relationship and friendship. So the first thing, relationship just generally, is two people being in a state of connection. Okay, so it's, a, so it's a, opposed to, like, I see uh, Brent Wright, uh, this person whom I don't know their name that has amazing posture. Right, look at Brent. Yeah. Very nice. Um, he make, my, my back hurts watching his posture. So when we're thinking about connection... How does that work with you? It's the difference between uh, seeing some person and then being connected to them in some way, right? It could be, hey, this is the person that sits next to me in class. Uh, this is the person that I see regularly, but does that make a actual connection? Are we connected, right? Are we joined in some way? Is there any type of relationship, however loose or strong? And so relationships are something that we have a lot of, but the nature of them is what we'll kind of talk about a little bit more. The second idea of friend, right, is knowing someone and sharing a bond of mutual affection. And as you share this bond of mutual affection, the friendship continues. So the difference between relationship with just connection of some kind is friendship is this mutual affection, right, that we, we're connected and we like being connected. Right, we choose to see each other. Anybody have a friend that you like but they don't like you? <laughs> it doesn't quite work, does it? Hey, you want to hang out? They're like, no, not, not really. Or they do that to you, right? Like they really, really want to be your friend and you're just not there. So I want to differentiate those between those two things. And so those are things that, those are, that's the place that we kind of exist, right? There are people that I know some way, that person's name is, is Ricky Bobby, or, or I don't know that person's name, but I've conversed with them and I feel bad about it. 
And so we exist in the, with these friendships that kind of wax and wane and these relationships that we're not quite sure how to define. But what God calls us to do is to know people. And I don't know if that's something that we've ever kind of intentionally thought of, right? We, I know for most of my life, I've just kind of existed in the world, right? I make friends, I don't make friends, I'm in these places, friendships happen, friendships go away. And so it wasn't anything I kind of gave a ton of thought to. And I think that we, uh, or I can say for me in that way, I stunk at kind of knowing people because that is not what I was trying to do, right? I was just trying to live my life and there was people around that joined me in the living of my life. But I think God uh, wants us to be more intentional than that. I want you to think about the church and maybe... Uh, how you think about the body of Christ. Some people will think about it as it's just a place I go. Uh, Our kids say, when are we going to church? They make building and church synonymous, right? Why do you have to go to church all the time? Are we going to church today? And they assume, again, assuming of the building. Is that how you think of church? So how God wants us to think of church is not building, but people, And that people is the collected body of Christ, right? That we are partners with one another. Ephesians 4 teaches that as we, uh, that we are to build, uh, that the body is to build itself up in love. So the picture that we have is Christ as the head of the church, right? And then the body under that that's taking direction from the head is helping to make itself healthy so that that body then can go out and be what Christ calls it to be in the world. So it has an internal function of being healthy, right, of being connected, of being in relationship. And it has an external function that as it is in healthy relationship, as it is functioning as it should, it then functions in the outside world as it should, okay? And so there's a reason for, uh, and so in each of those instances, we, there's a, a reason to be connected to one another within the body of Christ, and then that body is supposed to be connected to the outside world. That as we show Christ that way, that they are to be invited into the other relationship. And so I want to challenge you um, today to ask this question. Do you see relationships as something that you can benefit from? Do you see relationships as something that the other person can benefit from? Or do you see relationships as something that both of you can benefit from? Are you a person that meets new people on purpose? Do you have any interest in meeting new people? So here's what I want to kind of push into, is for us to prioritize people over experience. Most of our expectations when we go any place, right, is what? to have fun, to do X or Y. And so people share a big part of that, but again, they're kind of ancillary, right, secondary to what my priority is in any given space, right? I want to enjoy it, whatever that means. 
And so there's a subtle way in that we can think that we are good at that, but in those spaces, our intention, again, is to have a good time and not the people all around us that are helping us in that process. And so you can do this now or later. Um, as I did this, this was, um, this was hard for me. Right, to write down reasons um, for me not building new relationships. Because there's a lot. Like, this is not one of those things where it's like one reason. <laughs> there's a lot. Right, I'm really busy. I've got enough friends. You know, I can't be best friends with everybody. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> it's a long list if you sat down and write it. And I actually would encourage you to, like, sit down and write that list. Why... Do I not build new relationships? But there are some in here that do that. I think many of you actually do that, but don't give yourselves credit for it. But how can I be more consistent with that? So if you, um, if you would, uh, turn with me to Mark uh, 12, 28-31. And I want to look at what kind of start off with and then move into the practical is what is uh, anchor us in kind of God's priority relationships. And so in Mark 12, 28 through 31, uh, if you're unfamiliar with this passage, Jesus in his uh, teaching uh, is approached by uh, a, uh, a couple gentlemen and, the, and is asked what he thinks the greatest commandment in the law is he reciprocates, well, what do you think it is? And so we start in on verse 28. So one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, recognizing that he had answered them, well, ask him, what commandment is foremost of all? Right, and Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the priority relationship for us is God and people. But you said he didn't know, you notice that he didn't say, well, include yourself in there because that's our default. <laughs> We're always going to love ourselves self-preservationally. And there's many instances, right, where that is absolutely okay. We've got to take care of ourselves to continue to exist in the world so that we can love God and love people. But that can't consume us. And so it's why he says here, the greatest commandments are these, to understand what your relationship with God should be, that we are to love him with everything that we are. And love is not feeling, right? I'm not conjuring feelings. Love should be defined as this. If you've never heard me say this, um, this is a sticky note. Uh, McKenna, you should add this to your sticky note in your car if you've ever ridden with McKenna. And she may need some more sticky notes for, for Christmas if you want to gift her, gift her some. But love is not feeling. Love is action or activity toward and for someone else over and against yourself. So love is activity, action toward and for someone else over and against yourself. 
So you're, you're removing and changing the priority of self for them. That is what love is. This is how God defines love and how you should define love. And so what Jesus is saying is God is asking us to love him in that way. Right? With everything that we are, that we are supposed to have activity and action towards him. And he's also saying that we should do this in the same way that we do this for ourselves. That other people should not be second-rate citizens behind me. They're not worthy of our leftovers. They're worthy of the same activity that we give ourselves. And that's a lot. So as we're anchored in kind of those priority relationships that God has, those aren't changing and those aren't negotiable. It's okay if we're not there yet in the men's of like he's going to be patient with us as we learn, right, that what love is and as we learn to do activity and action towards and for others over and against ourselves. But it's not okay to be in process to that, right, that we understand what that is and we're moving to that. And so we need to be anchored there. The other place I want to, um, to look at is Acts 2, 42 through 47. As, as we referred to the church before, right, that it has an internal function, right, of connection, which is going to, supposed to turn into fellowship for the health of that body, right, for it to function as it should, essentially for it to for it to, um, for us to make garden with one another, for us to be doing the type of relationship, right, internally so that we can show the world what that looks like. It's very similar to how God called the Israelite people to be, right, as a nation so that it could show other nations, this is how you do family, right? This is how you do this. We are supposed to do that as well. And so in 42 it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Verse 44, and all those who had believed were together and had things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. What Luke is giving us here in Acts is he's showing that as we will be committed to the internal process of what God has called his people to be, right, in relationship with one another, then the external process happens. As you see, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that we need to be here collectively to hear what God has to say to us, to talk about it, right, to fidget with it, to struggle with it, to have victory, right, as we encourage and share and lift up and say, hey, why aren't you here? Come with me. It's okay. <laughs> that we learn to do that well. Right, and as we do that well, right, that we'll, we'll find that we are in partnership. What it says is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. I want you to think of fellowship as partnership, that we're not here sitting next to each other, but we are partners with one another. That as you 
fail, I fail. That as you have victory, I have victory. That as you don't know, then I need to tell you. (laughs) That if you have sin, that I need to come and lovingly love you through that. As I have sin, you need to do the same thing. It's not me and whoever I let in. It's everyone, including myself. I'm not absent from the fellowship. I am partner with you. And as they really leaned into that, 46, they went out. Day by day, continuing with one mind and temple, breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals together, praising God, and the people loved them for it. And as they saw them do that well, that people said, can I join you? Absolutely. We are not an exclusive club that I've got mine, you get yours. That is not Jesus' way. And that's hard for us. Because even in our, uh, we see many times that the church building our community as our sanctuary. And it should be, but we need to keep the sanctuary and say, but I want others to have sanctuary too. It's not okay for you to get yours and them not to have any. And for that to happen, we've got to be open to relationships. And then we've actually got to be intentional about building them. It's not Alex's job or Brewer's job, Lindell's job. Or Brent's job to do, that's all of our job. It's not just on him. He's the one that builds relationships. No. <laughs> all of us are doing that. What if in a family everyone just had a relationship with dad, yet not a relationship with one another? How would that work? Dad's going to be pretty stressed out, right? This is how many of our churches function. We assume that someone else is going to do it. As long as, well, as long as they know Brent, we're going to be all right. Except that like, that's a lot of relational space. Urban, I apologize. You're just sitting up front. I'll, I'll, I'll pick on somebody else just a second. Thank you for sitting up front. I appreciate that. This is uh, unfortunately not on uh, the screen. I'll just read it to you. Fellowship is partnership. It's the working out and the working in of our attachment, dependence, care, and identity with one another. Fellowship as partnership is the working out and working in of our attachment, dependence, care, and identity with one another. And so this partnership requires connection strengthening. Hopefully, uh, many of you in, in this room have at least made a connection, right, with every other person in this room. I mean, like, I've seen you, made eye contact, you exist. <laughs> But can we go further than that? Do we need to go further? Are we willing to go further? Much, much further. So partnership requires strength, uh, connection strengthening. It also requires relational space. And that's where you have to let people in and be intentional. Many of us are very, very passive in our relationships, or at least are sometimes. And that's okay, but it's not good to be that way all the time. If we want to be like our Heavenly Father, we've got to be willing, at least in some instances, to learn to take initiative. And that doesn't mean in any given situation, like in a prison yard, going and fighting the biggest person you can find or going and trying to talk to the most intimidating person for you to talk to. It just means taking steps to take initiative. We need to move towards others. Ed Welch has a really helpful um, statement on this. 
He says, as the king goes, so go his people. God moves towards people, and so we move towards people. Have you ever seen how we interact? We don't, we're not super comfortable with this. When we come into a space, we kind of survey it. Do I know anybody? And I run (laughs) to the people that I know. And so in a way, we're kind of, we're kind of like, all right, break, and everybody just kind of clumps, right? Like it shows what we're comfortable with. And so again, it's fine to know people, but we just need to know, okay, so here's where I am. How do I get to where, move to where, closer to where God wants me? Because he moves towards people who seek him and people who do not. That we try to initiate conversations both with people who are like, hey, I want to know that guy, and also people that don't. We move towards those who want help, those who seem distant and marginalized. We move towards friends and even enemies. We move out beyond our circle of friends to those beyond that circle. Right? We stand in circles, don't we? (laughs) Are you in or are you out? Can I break the circle and let the circle be bigger? I love watching people circle up because then there's people, and I love, I want to take a picture. There's people actually, no one inside the circle knows, but there's people right outside the circle wanting to get in the circle like just now there's people like in there like right behind you they're not like off pining i wish i could be in the circle like they're they're like can i um can somebody like notice it me because i really want to be in the uh please so sir but i mean like breathing in your ear like they're that close <laughs> i have been this person oh, that circle looks nice can i come um, no all right but um excuse excuse me Imagine how this can transform our churches. Instead of talking to the same people, those with whom we are comfortable and who are similar to us, we treat others as God treated us. Imagine how aloneness could gradually be banished. It sounds great and it's fun to imagine, but it's difficult to practice, which is as it should be. If it were easy, we'd we'd already be doing it. But since it's hard and unnatural at times impossible, we are driven back to Jesus help me. Make no mistake, to move towards others is hard. And there are some people we don't click with, some we don't like, and some who have wronged us. It is good to move towards others, but it is not easy. I think even in the biblical witness, we can forget that over and over and over Paul talks to the the churches about this as I'm talking to us. Anybody remember these verses? And you're like, that's weird. (laughs) And so in our time, please, you know, don't take this literally, right? In our culture, this is, would be somewhat off-putting. But I want you to notice that each time as it's beginning of the book or the end of the book, what Paul is, is saying to the churches is move towards one another. In the subtle way of greeting, this is something that most of my life I have been terrible at. And I would say maybe in the, in the past four months as we've been regathering, I've tried to be better at this. And it may not, you may not notice and you may not care but I try to actually greet everyone. You may be like, why does Rob just say hey? Or I may not even think about it. Like, I want to acknowledge that, like, I see you. Hey, Lindell. How are you, man? 
feels good, right? Like I know your name. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jack. Hey, Jada. Hey, Michaela. Hey, Kitty. That simple gesture, like we withhold that from people, don't we? I come in. And so the point is not to make you miserable to get you out of your things, but there's other people that don't have circles. It's not for you, it's for them. And we can sit there in our circle, and as you see somebody and you're like, I should go talk to them, but I'm not leaving my circle. Take the circle over there. You don't have to like abandon the people. Like it's actually better if they're invited into that space. Right? Like look how it opens. Oh. We can be a team at this. But I just love, as we're looking at this idea of greeting, that it starts there, that it's acknowledging the presence of the people in our spaces. That would do wonders for you, right? It's like, I see them. Can I remember their name? Am I going to say hey? So as we finish up, I want us to move from aware of the, um, how we do things and what God wants us to do to thinking about some very practical things of just moving kind of where we are to just a little bit better. And so we're going to kind of close with some uh, practical pieces. Uh, there's a great book, if this is, uh, really intrigues you, which every, it should. Um, it's a book by Ed Welch called Side by Side, uh, if you want to write that down. Uh, this is something that you're looking um, to get better at, highly recommend it, real easy read. A lot of the, um, particularly the stuff I'm going to go over here um, comes from that book, and so I wanted to um, bring that to your attention. So the first thing I want you to think about is to give you kind of a priority of, oh, come on, just wiggle it just a little bit. So it's like, I wonder if somebody had like a list of like how I should think about coming into a room. So nice. I was like, thanks, Ed. So anytime we come into a room as we need to be like our Heavenly Father, like how, how would Jesus come into a room? We actually have lots of this in the New Testament of him walking around. Right here is Jesus's ministry. Are you ready? This is how, how, how it went. He went outside and he connected with people all day long and figured out what they needed and he gave it to them. That's it. There really wasn't any much strategy and I like people, I want to be close to them. All day long, every day. And so as we think about just again, not in outside spaces, but even in our own spaces, right, if there's somebody that you know is new, like that should be your priority. And so I don't want to put you on the spot. We have a, uh, we have a couple people uh, that haven't uh, kind of knew the past couple of weeks, right? And so you can, uh, and so, but I'm, I'm feeling really confident and I'm not asking you to raise your hand if this is true, but um, like, wouldn't it be nice like if you came in for somebody to kind of like greet you, acknowledge you, that everyone actually in the room like was saying, 
hey, nice to meet you. So that, like, when you were there, like, you've actually met every single person there. If I ever went to a place I didn't know anybody, that would be amazing. Like, not just okay, but, like, amazing. Because they acknowledged my presence, and then everyone saw the priority of, like, hey, you're here. You're interested. (laughs) Why should I not meet you? Just because one person met us, and that's what we do. Well, someone said hey to them. We're good. And don't think that I'm good at this. I am terrible at this. I understand for those of you that are like the, uh, at zero or one and like 99 is KJ. <laughs> right, that I was a one or a negative number on this phrase. Like this is something that the Lord has had to work on me, work on me, work on me, and he is still working on me. Don't think that I'm saying this and this is easy for me. I am as selfish as they get. I don't want to talk to anybody when I come into room, particularly if I know most of them. <laughs> Why are you there, right, if you don't want to talk to anybody? So the visitor should come first among us, right, that that is something that we should change. So, so many of you have started doing this and are aware, let's all of us do that better. Secondly, the returning visitor, someone comes back, oh, they, we didn't run them off, <laughs> So I come in, visitors know, returning visitors, hey, insert name that you actually remember, or just own it. I don't remember your name, but I remember you came, and lead with your name. Don't assume that people know you, <laughs> right, that I come into spaces, hey, I'm, I'm Rob. I don't assume that they should know me or that they will. I just tell them. What, isn't that nice? The third person is those who don't have someone to talk to. And so everyone comes into a space all kinds of, uh, for all kinds of different reasons, all kinds of different ways. We can just come into a space where we really want to be where we're in a bad mood. Or we come in there and I'm in a bad mood because I'm introverted. And like this is a bad space for me. We can't be okay, like, uh, we can't lean towards and do everything based on just, like, what extroverts do, right, that meet every single person. I like this one, children. So you guys are actually, most people are really good with my kids, but sometimes they're, they're not. Like, that's, like, acknowledge them, too, as we see the visitor, the returning visitor, the person who's standing right outside of your circle waiting to get in or sitting alone, go over there with somebody else. Have empathy. If you were sitting there, would you want everyone to just be frozen solid? Don't talk to them. I know they don't want me to talk to them. They're here, but nobody, they don't want anybody to talk to them, right? (laughs) But then, but I have to talk to them. Oh gosh. Go with people. (laughs) Go with people. I like this, high insert name to as many as possible. Hey, I'm Rob, it's nice to meet you. Hey, I'm Rob, it's nice to meet you. Hey, remember Rob, good to see you again. Greet friends last. The people that you spend time with, how much of your kind of relational space do you give them on a given week? Is it above 50%? Like the people that you actually spend time with, 
those people, like that two or three people, how much of the 100% of your relational space that you spend with people, how much, what are some percentages that you would say you spend with those people? 50%? Higher? 60%? 70%? It's a lot, right? They can wait five minutes. They see you all the time. That's the hardest one. That's the hardest one. Because what happens is we come in and they're our priority. We don't have time for the other folks. That's why we prioritize them. That's why as you talk to somebody and I see my friend over there, hey, new person I've never met before, why don't you come with me as I go talk to my friend? Because we do that sometimes too. Man, it's a great conversation. See you later. Stay right there. And hopefully someone, you know, else goes over there and invites them in. Be inclusive in that way. All right, a couple other things, and we'll wrap up here. Thoughtful conversations. So as you meet and you greet, right, it needs to turn into, okay, so uh, I want to, I'm interested in you at some level. I, I try to treat this as like resume information. I don't know anything about you. So let's start with stuff that is easy for you to answer. And so if you've been in my tractor beam when you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> if I've got 10 minutes with somebody and they're willing to talk, I really want to know like where they're from, what the family situation is, siblings, interests, uh, what they're in school for, why they're here, like all that stuff. It's really cool because next time I see them, I've got all kinds of stuff to ask them about. I think that's where it starts. But then as you have those conversations, as you're asking people about kind of stuff that's easy for them to answer, we're looking for what we call the affections. Right, as they talk about their family, as they talk about what they're interested in, as they talk about their faith, as they talk about you can hear more of their heart. What is dear to them? What is love? What is feared? What is hard? So helpful. And as they give you absolutely anything personal, so many of you have, I've seen you do this as we, in our meetings, that as, they, as in that kind of getting to know them or as that reconnecting space, right, that they come and they, uh, that you'll pray for them. Like, hey, something's hard, or I, I'm looking for a job. Something from the mundane to, like, there's a dog that's run away. Yeah, that's, that, somebody cares about that. Let's pray for that. That's not, uh, just because we don't, if, it, let's say if somebody shares something with you and you don't think that's that big a deal, right? They do because they've shared it. Pray for them about that. Ask them about it. Some of the best conversations, some of the quickest way to make connections is met somebody, They've shared something, I prayed for them, and then I asked them about the thing. <laughs> Crazy. I've got an ongoing relationship with a guy that does the yard of my neighbor. Because I got his resume information, he shared something with me, I shared back, I didn't just like one way street, right? I've got to share some stuff. That means I care too. 
I prayed for him, and as I see him, we catch up real quick, and I'm asking him how he's feeling because he's, you know, he's got some injuries and some things where he struggles a little bit with how he's feeling. He's, blown, he's secretly like blown off our driveway a couple times, which takes forever. <laughs> got a nice little thing going, right, just because, uh, just because it took the time to connect with him and to try to continue to connect with him. And we'll see what God does. So lastly, a lot of times we can do that but then not go any further, right? Because we, we it's like, man, I've met a lot about this person, but like I, my flesh has nothing in common. <laughs> and so what do we do? We need to look for the good. Notice character qualities. Notice gifts and talents. Notice pleasures and preferences. Notice spiritual vitality. We've got to have anchor points of things uh, so that if we don't click with them, <laughs> we can still be in fellowship with them. And so lastly, hear their stories. And this is that last piece, as we've, the good lets us go back. There's people, if you can imagine, there's people that don't like you guys. Every single person in here, there's people that don't like you. I know for many of you that is hard to imagine. For me, it's not. <laughs> well aware. But people do that to you. You can do that for others. They see the good in you. And so that last part is just really going to be hearing stories, letting them hear yours. How many of your friends have you started that off with or at some point said, hey, what, tell me your story, like the long version? There's probably some of you that, because they're like your best friends and you probably, you haven't ever done that. Like, tell me your story, like all the things that make you, you. They'll tell you. I mean, it happened to them. <laughs> I want to end uh, with if it'll, to end with this statement. This is something that I kind of use as the starting slide, but I want you to see the slide a little bit differently as it relates to building relationships. Of all the things on this list, I think that this actually is the most countercultural and the thing that the church as a whole struggles with the most, is that building relationships is something that the church should be really, really, really good at. That is what he has called us to do fundamentally for all the other things to take place. That that has to be something that we say, I'm going to get better at that, wherever I am. And so I like this picture, right? So it's the, we're not swimming in the same direction of the culture, right? We're changing. And you see that we've chosen, this fish has almost chosen, right, to initiate with the other fish here. Will you do that? Will you work at that? Will you move from horrendous to merely terrible to bad to okay to good to great? I was horrendous at this. Now I'm just merely bad. <laughs> Making progress. Some of you are good at this. Teach others. Encourage them in this. Let's pray. Father, I...
thank you, Lord, that you move towards us. That from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, your witness is that you want to be with your people. And Father, I don't want us to be blind that this is one of the ways that people see you in us is that we be like our Father when we move towards people. Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts for this not to be uh, something that we want to get better at when we're older, when we have more time. Father, but that all the ministry, Father, that you seek us to do is anchored in us having relationships with other people and for us being good at meeting new people and moving them from outside the circle to family. And Lord, that's not just uh, Renee's job or Ariel's job or Tripp's job, Ashton's job or Andy's job, Rob's job, Brent's job. It's all of our jobs. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be gracious to us as we do that, Lord, but unyielding and reminding us that that is your expectation, that you want us to be like you. And, Father, I thank you, Father, that you moved towards me, that you built a relationship with me. We thank you for this day, Father. I pray that you would continue to bless our time together. Lord, that we would see ways, even now and as we return from, uh, back to lunch, that we would, could begin working through our issues <laughs> and how we struggle. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Christ's name.